0: Hi, listeners. I'm your host, Rebecca Kelly, and welcome back to The Station, a fiction podcast about a girl named Ida Shepard who's trapped on board an old space station. Before we begin, I have a small favor to ask. If you're enjoying The Station, please take a moment to leave it a five star rating. I greatly appreciate every single one, and it really helps me to reach more people. In the last episode, We met a new and very important character named New Shepard. She is one of the three astronauts on board the Delta Space Station on the day the World War broke out, some 19 years before we meet Ida. New and her crewmates learn about the nuclear strikes on the surface, and they begin to prepare their escape on board the Soyuz capsule MV-54. Then, they lose all communication with the surface. How will they handle this? Let's find out. Today's episode is special because it's actually a two-chapter episode. Here are chapters 12 and 13 of The Station. We've lost contact with mission control again, and I believe this time it might be for good, New said, shifting her eyes between the two men at the table. It was now 2100 GMT and they all wore masks of exhaustion on their faces. Sweaty, sunken-eyed exhaustion. I've been trying to reach them for over an hour, she continued. This happened earlier today, too, but that was when they were moving mission control. Now, I'm not sure what the problem is, but I have a guess. New bit her bottom lip as she said this and glanced down. What is your theory? Andre asked. Of the two men sitting across from her at the kitchen table in the G., He seemed the most composed. This didn't surprise her. It was his strength, both mental and physical, that she loved most about him. Vincent wore a grubby Hawaiian-printed shirt and a day's worth of stubble. I think there's an issue with the satellite network. I've tried all the radio frequencies, and there's no internet connection either. Not just a weak signal, but nothing. Not a single blimp. It's like the communication satellites aren't even there. Which sounds impossible, she said, shaking her head at the notion. It's not impossible, Andre said, What could be a more effective attack than taking down the communication se- system of your enemies? No doubt the people responsible for these attacks have trained their men in some other more primitive means of communications. This strategy gives the attackers the advantage. I think you're right, Vincent said, glancing at New and then at Andre. He'd been quiet over the last few hours, working through his checklists and quietly whispering to himself, but now his eyes darkened as he continued. This doomsday scenario has been hypothesized for decades. What would happen if the satellite systems were taken out via a cyber-terrorism attack? Frankly, it should have been taken more seriously. So what do we do now? Andre asked. What are the odds of these enemies, whoever they are, bombing us up here? news shook her head they have no reason to bomb us besides with no satellites communicating i doubt they could even locate our position and a bomb would have to be spot on to actually hit us andre nodded she noticed his feet were engaged in a nervous dance beneath him bouncing and causing a slight vibration in the floor i've got some ideas news said touching her hollow screen to pull up her notes the two men straightened up in their seats I suggest we wait 24 hours. Mission Control usually flies the Delta remotely, but we'll have to do it ourselves until they can get back in contact with us. I'm going to work on reprogramming some of the systems to strengthen the station's ability to autopilot. Altitude is good, so we don't need to worry about course corrections for now. Vincent, she turned to him as she spoke. He had been staring at the far wall, seemingly in a daze, but his head snapped around to meet her gaze. I want you to open the service module with me. We'll work through the reprogramming and keep trying to reach someone. We'll pull out the ham radio when we pass over Houston, Florida, Moscow, and Kazakhstan. Somebody somewhere has to be listening. She turned toward Andre and continued. I want you to take six hours of personal time, Andre. We need to keep up our exercise regimen and get some sleep. We'll go in shifts. The next 24 hours will be tough, and we need our rest. At 0200 GMT, you'll take over for Vincent so he can rest. I'll take the six hours after that. The men nodded their approval of the plan. She knew there would be little rest, so she added, If you need to, take sleeping pills, guys. We must be at our best over the next few days. Sleep is essential. Does everybody understand? Again, they nodded. They started to get up from their seats. But she motioned for them to sit and said, "Before we do anything, let's have some supper. I don't know about you, but I haven't eaten in over ten hours, and I'm starving." The tense energy in the room immediately dropped a few notches, shoulders relaxed, faces turned up into partial smiles, and the stress of the day faded back down to bearable. Communal supper time was always a part of space flight. It created a greater sense of camaraderie while adding some lightheartedness to the rigors of spaceflight. The three crew members of the Delta stood and began moving around the kitchen, preparing their last supper together. At 0200 GMT, Andre made his way from the node through the tunnel to the service module. He had gone for a run, tended the garden, taken his blood work and medical measurements, and managed to get a few hours of rest after he showered. New and Vincent stared intently at the hollow screens in front of them, punching in numbers, swiping here and there, pulling up various station computer systems. How's it looking? Andre asked. Vincent was on the far end of the module, not paying attention to his crewmates. Andre cast a sideways glance at New, then smiled and winked. She blushed, and a weary expression crossed her face. We've made some good progress, she said. We have some additional programming work to do, but I don't think it will take too long. No communications, though, Andre said, his voice trailing off. It was not a question, and there was no response from the other two. They continued to work on their screens, typing and clicking and punching in commands. Andre, we need to start seriously working on a plan to fly home without the help of Mission Control, News said, not looking up from her hollow screen. We'll have to do all our own course trajectory calculations and all of the ship preparations. You're the one who knows the most about the Soyuz. We'll need your help through every step of this process. Yes, he said. It has never been done before, or even simulated. With no ground communication, once we land in Kazakhstan, there will be nobody there to find us. God only knows what we might find there. I know, she replied, but it might be our only option. Start doing the math. See what you can come up with. Her eyes were tired and had turned dull with concentration. Andre flashed her a reassuring smile. You look exhausted. Perhaps Vincent wouldn't mind switching shifts with you so you can rest now. He looked over at Vincent, who stared deep into the screen in front of him. Vincent nodded without looking up and gave a simple wave with two fingers to indicate she should go. Andre turned back to her and said, Go, get some rest, and he gave her a gentle push in the direction of the G. New's sleeping compartment was about as exciting as a broom closet. It was a bland cubbyhole covered with gray carpet over the floors and walls. The whole room was two and a half meters long by two meters wide. On the far wall, a sleep sack hung suspended over a small desk. Track lighting circled the perimeter of the little room in an effort to avoid harsh overhead lights. Opposite of the desk, there was a small sink and mirror and some shelving to store clothes, toiletries, and personal items. New flopped into her sleep sack with a grateful sigh. She was exhausted. The sack was kind of like a hammock hanging from two aluminum struts at either end of the room. It was meant to hold one person, although it could hold two, as she well knew. Although it was thin, it was actually quite comfortable considering the limited gravity in the G. She didn't need thick mattresses and heavy blankets to sleep comfortably there. The hammock swayed under her for a few seconds before coming to a rest. She pulled the cotton blanket up to her chin and curled into a ball. For some reason, she was cold, although her room was balmy with warmth and humidity from the garden. Rolling back over to her back, she reached up and felt her forehead. It felt warm, almost too warm. Her stomach was upset, too. You ate too much. Go to sleep, she thought. She closed her eyes and enlisted the help of a mind trick, which had served her well for many years. On the black background of her closed eyes, she imagined the number 1,000, then the number 999, then 998, then 997, and so on. Counting backwards was the most effective way she had ever found to force her body and her mind to relax. It was a way for her to outrun her waking mind and force it to shut down. She made it to 236 before she finally outran wakefulness. I've got an idea and I wanna run it by you, New said to her two crewmates a few hours later. It was 0800 GMT and the crew members of the Delta were gathered around the kitchen table. Each had breakfast in front of them. For Andre, it was scrambled eggs, bacon, and a bagel. Vincent had yogurt and fruit. New had her usual, oatmeal with brown sugar and strawberries. Lay it on, us, Vincent said, leaning back in his seat, balancing precariously on two chair legs with his hands over his head. New sat opposite Vincent with Andre to her left. Her abdomen ached, and she could feel a headache coming on, but she pushed it out of her mind, She'd gotten four hours of dreamless sleep, and her mind had taken on an odd fuzziness over the last few days, like there was a thin veil between her and her thoughts. Thankfully, the sleep had helped clear it some. She clasped her hands in front of her and said, I've been thinking about this for the last few hours, and I can't shake the feeling there's a better plan. When we last spoke to NASA, they told us they wanted us to evacuate immediately for safety reasons. They were concerned that whoever sent the bombs might go after the station, too. They planned to keep the station running remotely until this mess on the surface got sorted out. This is obviously not the case now. If we can't reestablish communication, they can't run the station or help us reenter the atmosphere. New paused and shifted in her seat to get her thoughts together. She wanted this to come out the right way because she knew there would be backlash. I believe it's dangerous to stay up here without knowing what's going on down below, she said. But it's not quite as dangerous as it was before. Without the satellites, they can't tell where we are, which means they can't send missiles up here to us. That said, I don't want my crew hanging around up here. I also don't like the risk of flying the reentry blind. So weighing all of these factors, I've come up with a new plan. And that plan is, Andre asked. His words had a bite to them she didn't like it she took a drink from her water bottle trying to quell the urge to vomit i think the two of you should take mv-54 she said i'll stay behind and help you undock and guide you to the reentry corridor we can do it remotely from the station the two men sat silent staring at her stunned she continued there are procedures to help a re-entering ship from the station if there's a radio loss with the ground the odds of the Soyuz making it through re-entry with no help from the ground or the station are slim. I can't justify the risk of losing my crew, and I think this is the safest way to get you two back to the surface and to protect the station." Andre rose so fast from his chair it tipped backward and hit the floor with a muffled thud. "'It is out of the question!' he exclaimed. She furrowed her brow and puckered her lips like she often did when she wasn't pleased with something. Then she put her hand on his arm to bring him back down to the chair. Communications will come back up. They have to. They will send another crew up here. There's no way the World Space Administrations will abandon a two and a half trillion dollar space station. Andre's face bloomed pink with anger. He brushed her hand away from his arm and declared, It is out of the question, Millicent. We will all leave together, as we discussed. New ignored this comment for the moment and turned to Vincent. What do you think, she asked. Well, Vincent said carefully, eyeing Andre through the side of his eyes. Technically speaking, yes, this is an option to consider. We know if we leave the station unattended, it will certainly be lost, a situation nobody wants. New is right. The odds of a successful undock and deorbit are higher if we have help from someone inside the station, especially since mission control is not with us. He trailed off and turned toward New. But are you sure this is something you're willing to do? Nobody has ever run something this large and complex all by themselves with no help from the ground. And to be totally alone? I just don't think it's a good idea. Of course, she said without a moment of hesitation. I've dedicated a decade of my life to this place. I'm not going to see it burn up, and I won't risk losing the Soyuz with a blind reentry. You are out of your minds, both of you, Andre hissed. There was no trace of calm left in his voice, and he was practically screaming now. You want to stay up here to save the station? Listen to me this second, New roared in response she stood and planted her hands firmly on the table she'd managed to keep her anger tucked neatly away but now there was nothing she could do to keep it from pushing its way out of her mouth she looked directly at Andre and said you are not the commander if I make a call which I believe is correct you must obey my command let's all calm down here vincent said standing from his seat and placing a hand on andre's arm urging him to take his seat again he nodded at new to do the same and they both obliged grudgingly plopping down in their chairs there's obviously some tension here vincent continued he looked first to new then to andre and back again to new she could see it in vincent's eyes he knew about their secret Her face flushed with anger and embarrassment. All I'm saying, Vincent continued, is that we need to look at all the options here. We aren't going to dismiss an idea because we have an emotional reaction to it. His small, dark eyes shot a look at Andre, who quickly looked at the floor. He understood exactly what Vincent was referring to. I agree, this new plan gives us the best shot at making it back intact. VINCENT CONTINUED. ANDRE GRUMBLED SOMETHING IN RUSSIAN UNDER HIS BREATH, AND VINCENT IGNORED IT. ASSUMING WE CAN GET THE CALCULATIONS CORRECT, AND NEW CAN HELP US UNDOCK AND FLY INTO THE RE-ENTRY CORRIDOR REMOTELY FROM THE STATION, THEN YES, IT IS THE BEST PLAN. NOT AN OPTION, ANDRE SAID. HE WAS CLEARLY NOT GOING TO DROP THIS. I WILL STAY HERE WITH HER. NEW sighed. NO, ANDRE. YOU AND I ARE THE ONLY ONES QUALIFIED TO COMMAND THE Soyuz. You must go with Vincent. I will not, he said. I refuse. Then he stood, grabbed the back of his chair, and slammed it into the table. Without another word, he left the kitchen. Vincent turned to New and said, You better talk to him. I understand your plan, and I think it makes sense. But he's not going to get on board with this if you can't convince him. She nodded, stood, and walked out. (laughs) thanks for listening sci-fi fans join me for the next episode where we'll find out more about the crew of the delta and more about their bold escape plan see you then bye